You're listening to the Bird Dog Babe Podcast with my mom, Courtney Bastion. This podcast is sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, Boss Shot Shells, and Onyx Hunt. And this episode is brought to you by Cato Outdoors. You're pushing your body to the limits, and if you're not trying to replicate that with fitness equipment or some kind of body weight training or some kind of interval training in the off-season, it's not as much fun, A. Uh, B, it can be potentially dangerous. At the clinic, we see a huge influx of injuries when it comes to hunting season. A lot of that could come back to leg strength, core strength, coordination, stability, increase in cardiovascular injury, so death, heart attack, stroke, because of the sudden exertional stress you're putting on your body after, you know, six months of not doing anything in the off season, if, if not longer for some people. Um, so really this programs like this are, it's, it's for safety. Um, that's where the fit, fitness for me always comes back is um, how important, how useful can I be to the people I'm hunting with? And also more important than most of my friends is the dog, right? Like we, we love our dogs. So being, being fit and ready to help them if need be is a huge part of why I uh, train in the off season and why I want other people to be fit and healthy going into season. Cato dog training platforms are safe, elevated, sturdy, and portable. It was designed with your dog in mind. I use the Cato board in every aspect of training, whether as a place board for my dogs to remain on while we eat, when visitors come to the door, or as a stepping stone for all of my hunting and nav to test training, which includes recall, providing them a specific location where I want them to finish the retrieve, steadiness at blind, and a place for them to just remain still and calm while I'm working with other dogs. It's a must-have for essential dog training equipment. And check out the new Cato Plank, which I'm about to order to use for some proprioception and development with my two new litters of wire hair puppies. We'll be using the Cato board for several exercises for both us and our dogs through the Upland Ready program. The creator and owner, Jordan Horak, is a super guy and has been on the podcast previously. His products are made in the USA and they're all free shipping. Use promo code BIRDDOGBABE for 5% off your purchase. This code is only good for 30 days, so head over to thebirddogbabe.com forward slash Cato. That's C-A-T-O. Thank you to partner Siren Shotguns. They're sending several 20-gauge and 12-gauge shotguns to our dog training camp in June and Forest Grouse Camp in September for everyone to try out. To shoot a gun that actually fits you is a beautiful thing. To find a demo center near you to try one out, go to SirenUSA.com. While you're getting yourself set with gear for the season, don't forget about your hunting buddy. Get your dog a kennel that provides safe and comfortable transportation to and from your hunting spots. No wire crates, no cheap plastic, that's not safe. They're going to collapse and they're going to break upon any impact, let alone a vehicle rollover. I recommend Dakota 283 kennel because it's one piece rotomold. mold, it's not too heavy or bulky for me to lift in and out of the truck by myself, and it has a locking door. So I feel safe leaving a dog to rest in the kennel while I'm out hunting with another dog. If I go into a gas station or grab a bite to eat, don't compromise on your dog's safety. They don't ask much of us. It's the least we can provide for them. Get 10% off your purchase when you use promo code BirdDogBabe at Dakota283.com. 
Patreon members of the Bird Dog Babe podcast received this episode two days ago in the live, unedited version, and we already have over 20 people signed up and sharing intros and pictures of their dogs and the group page that supplements this program. I'm a big fan of being a part of a group to connect, motivate each other, and share pictures and videos of the fun ways we're conditioning and strength training with our dogs. So I hope all of you listeners will tap on over there and join us. A couple weeks ago, William and I put on a free handler seminar for our local NAVDA chapter for both the natural ability and utility tests, and were able to demonstrate and answer questions for each portion of those tests, and everyone found it super helpful. I was able to record the natural ability portion, so I'll be adding that to my Patreon page this week, and we'll be going over that and doing a live Q&A on the natural ability test this Thursday, June 2nd, at 8.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Then, on Wednesday night, June 22nd, we will be covering the utility test. I know many of you are testing your dogs in the next couple months, and I've been fielding a lot of questions to William around this topic. So we're just going to get that content up there, have the live Q&A, and mash those together so you can go back and watch those at any time. Those of you already supporting this podcast and getting the extra content through the Patreon platform, you're already in, so just watch for that link. For those of you that aren't and want to join us for the June webinars, head over to patreon.com forward slash the bird dog babe to join for $5. In each webinar I host, I donate $100 to a conservation organization of the presenter's choice. William chose the Rough Grouse Society in the last webinar he did uh, when he went when he talked about training your dog for steadiness. So maybe I'll call out on one of you that's in the webinar to choose which organization you'd like it to go to. In the meantime, if you're testing this year, be sure to listen to or re-listen to the podcast series I did with Angie Coonan last year. Episode 54 is the natural ability test. Episode 57 is the utility and utility prep and episode 61 is the invitational overview these are incredibly helpful and some of the most listened to episodes so some of you know i went back to school this past january to pursue my mba with a dual emphasis in marketing and management it's awesome but holy cow i will never take that many credits moving forward because that on top of everything else got pretty heavy I do sincerely appreciate those of you that reached out to check on me and the one who asked if I could at least read a book for an episode. I mean, seriously, when you hit a burnout point like I did and hear from people like that, it makes all the difference. And when I really needed a boost, I read your reviews of this podcast and it truly inspires me to keep at it knowing that there's someone out there that enjoys it and finds it helpful. So if you get a chance, you haven't written a review yet, I'm giving you a big ask. Please do that. It makes a big difference. Um, I don't know what it does in the algorithms, but uh, for me personally, it's huge. Really, really huge. So thanks to all those that have done one, and um, thank you so much to those that will be providing one in the future. You guys, we have only three months until season opens on September 1st, and I don't know about you, but I have some exciting hunting trips and, of course, grouse camp planned for this year, and I have some goals to hit before that happens. The last five months spending long days at the library and behind a computer have not helped me achieve those goals, but no more excuses. 
Enter Upland Ready, a 12-week program for both you and your dog designed specifically to prepare you both for your upland hunting adventures. The logo is a woman with a Weimariner, which some have been confused if it's for women only, which it is not. It's for everyone and all dog breeds, not just Weimariners. After a major fail of a $50 Fiverr commission, where their first version was rifles and antlers, second was a wolf howling at the moon, and third was a goose, I just gave up and I whipped up the current logo on Canva. So we're sticking with that one for now, but I invite any talented graphic people to please reach out and help us come up with something better. I have collaborated with two fellow Wisconsinites, Bill Kepke, the head coach at D1 Training in Stevens Point, and Dr. Christina Mott, veterinarian and certified canine rehabilitation therapist at Town and Country Vet in Watoma, Wisconsin. Bill promised me that there would not be any burpees, so I am here for this. We're donating a portion of the proceeds to Access Ability Wisconsin, which is a nonprofit dedicated to facilitating and providing the means for individuals with mobility challenges to access and enjoy our great outdoors. So go check them out, Accessibility Wisconsin, although it's abbreviated, accessabilitywi.org. I'm hosting this program on our Bird Dog E Academy platform, which everyone that has taken our Reliable Retrieve course has really enjoyed and is easy to navigate. As soon as you join, you'll have access to the equipment list to be able to do this from the comfort of your home. Learn more about our instructors and watch their introductions. Week 1 drops on June 5th, and each week following that, it'll drop every Sunday until season starts. You'll have to listen to the end of the episode when I share the promo code for this crazy awesome deal. I'm stoked, the instructors are stoked, and everyone already signed up are bringing the stoke game in hot. So join us and let's get Upland ready together. And hot off the press, one of the best humans, a bird dog loving, Upland hunting lady whom I adore, Sam Snyder, just let me know that she got engaged this morning. So big congrats to you and Jake. I'm so looking forward to chasing birds in the prairie with you both this season. All right, let's get after it. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Christina Mott and Bill Kepke. And you're both coming to us from the awesome state of Wisconsin. That's, that's correct. Stevens Point, Wisconsin. So if you're looking at the glove, I'm dead center. And Christina is like 45 minutes directly south of that. Perfect. And I don't know how so- slow you drive. You're only a half an hour from me, Bill. <laughs> Christina, we both know I drive the speed limit and you drive considerably faster, preferably on an empty <laughs> tank of gas. Always. And what was really fun and interesting about this is I had contacted you each individually and I had no idea that you guys knew each other, let alone had a client customer relationship with with each other. So that just makes this jive even way better than I thought it would. How long have you guys known each other? A couple of years. Well, she, couple of years. She, uh, she called me out for having a fat wiener dog. <laughs> <laughs> Was that on your very first visit to her vet clinic? I, I don't even know if I had brought the dogs there yet. I was just posting a video of the, I have a, She's a 10 year old dachshund and I had a, I think I just posted a video of her and uh, Dr. Mott commented, that is a fat wiener dog. 
And I was like, yes, I prefer to call it a power belly. But I will, I will also agree that she could afford to lose a few pounds. She was uh, at the time currently uh, hoarding all of my other dog. I had, so I had a very old terrier who we couldn't keep weight on. And then we have a dachshund who are notorious for being food hoarders and gaining weight very quickly. Um, and we were finding it difficult to keep her from the other dog's food. And I wasn't, she's the wiener dog's just so adorable. Like I let her get away with murder literally. Um, so <laughs> while the other dog was battling cancer, trying to keep food, like we were trying to keep weight on her, the wiener dog was weaseling snacks and Christina called me out on it. And I, agreed and then uh came down to see her and we started wiener dog fat camp that summer that was yeah i think a couple of years ago i think on the flip side of that um bill along with some chiropractic care for myself has taken care of about 10 plus years of lumbosacral pain and um apparently non-functioning left side of my body through some fitness expertise on his part so He's helped other members of my family and whatnot. We kind of cross paths through a lot of social media and human and canine fitness things. So that's awesome. I I love that relationship. Um, I'm gonna have each of you since we have a little bit of idea now of what's going on here in this collaboration. Bill, I'm gonna start with you. Besides living in Wisconsin, can you t- tell a little bit about what you do? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I have a degree in sports medicine. I'm a certified athletic trainer. I work for a uh, fitness facility and orthopedic uh, group here in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. So I work with a variety of individuals on all kinds of different orthopedic conditions, uh, pre-surgical, post-surgical, um, different fitness levels, different ages, all over the board. I really enjoy um, working with people that have outdoor pursuits. So people who have been told they can't do something or feel that they're not able to do something or they're losing capacity as they age. I really enjoy working with those types of people. So when you, uh, you approached me with this idea, I got really excited because, um, I already do it quite a bit here one-on-one with people, but, uh, and with, uh, virtual athletes as well. So I'm, I'm really excited to kind of bring all of that experience and knowledge and, uh, I've been working in the private sector of fitness and sports performance for about a decade now. So yeah, just bringing all that information and education and experience to the Upland space. Sounds like a good time. So thanks for the invite. I really enjoy following both of you for exactly these things, both both bird dog people into this community and loving what you're doing. Christina, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. So I have been in the central Wisconsin area since I was about 18. My undergraduate degree is actually in natural resources. So I come by the outdoors, kind of honestly born and raised and educated in that, but um, have been a practicing veterinarian for just shy of nine years now. And through that process, um, I've always had a strong interest in sporting dogs, but have worked general practice to pay the bills, keep life going, get experience, those sorts of things. As I've expanded my sports practice, I have additional training in acupuncture for both large and small animals, um, canine rehabilitation therapy, and then also spinal manipulation, which is effectively the veterinary chiropractic side of things, again, both in large and small animals. So 
um, my passions lie in treating canine athletes, equine athletes, uh, sports animals. If I could have my way, I would be able to have another doctor or two doing all the regular stuff and really be able to do this full time. But my business side of sporting dogs has vastly expanded in the last few years through connections I've made with competing with my own dogs as well. Yeah. And, and if you don't mind, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about the breeds of dogs you guys have. And, um, Christina, I know you've had a fun year this, this past or last year with, um, your NAVDA endeavors. So can you touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I have uh, duck tolling retrievers. We've had about a, we're probably what, 15 years now, 14, 15 years into our toller breeding program and competing with them. And then I have three German short hairs, um, one who is supposed to be retired, but is running at the Invitational in New Mexico this year. Her son who qualified last year and is a VC. And then we have a little up and comer who just turned a year old and is uh, just signed up for her first utility test this coming fall, um, which could be interesting. But those guys are kind of slowly but surely growing our short hair program as well. Um, and I guess with, with the tollers, we compete in a lot of different venues, both um, dog shows, as you know, and then also obedience and club tests, both, uh, tollers are now approved to do upland hunt tests through the AKC, which is a new thing in the last two years or so. So both upland and retriever tests. And then my one short hair in a previous life was a Labrador. I'm pretty sure. And so we run her in retriever trials too, because she lives to swim and retrieve. So definitely keeps us busy given the opportunity. We're out pretty much every weekend. Um, competing with the dogs, which is how I've gained a lot of sporting dog clients. So awesome. Very cool. It's a nice way to tie in of your business with, with your hobbies. Very fun. Bill, besides the overweight, uh, wiener dog, tell us uh, what you have. Uh, I will, I'm going to come full circle to that. Uh, the wiener dog just had her physical, uh, she's going to be 11 this August. She has lost, I think, five pounds since Christina last saw her. She, The vet had nothing but glowing remarks about her. She's ribs are visible. She's got the taper. Uh, she has all of her teeth. And they're, the vet always, comp, like, they'll just stare at her teeth because they're immaculate. I don't know how because she can chew through a deer shed in, like, a week's time. Um, she's always just always chewing on stuff, always digging, always hunting. Uh, but she is a healthy weight. Uh, the biggest, the biggest thing, this is just a pump up Dr. Mott again is was getting her on a appropriate food. Cause you can't feed a, a high metabolism terrier and a wiener dog, the same, uh, same food and expect that, expect that to work out for both of them. Uh, Brie was so, fine with it. She had no issues. <laughs> oh, with she it. loved it. Yeah. She loved it. <laughs> just like she likes Django's, uh, gundog food or she anytime if i leave a bag on account like unattended she will tear a hole in that bag and take what <laughs> her percentage in a matter of <laughs> seconds so there's there's that she she keeps us on our toes she's she's fun she's awesome but so i uh five pounds is a lot for a dachshund that's super impressive yeah. so kudos well, to you christina's christina's she's evaluated her she's like just solid mass like i mean she was overweight 
but she's a pretty ripped uh wiener dog he wasn't really wrong about the power belly thing like she was fat but she was just a tube but she she could scrap <laughs> with you man she had some thighs on her so she's just yeah she's a she's a beefcake i love that dog uh currently i've so i've got her um she was kind of like a a family rescue like someone in my family got her uh had no business had no business with that high high drive of a dog and uh i grew up with uh beagles and bear hounds so we always had bear and coon hounds my godfather raised and trained and he did um guided bear hunts for a while and then my dad uh raised and trained beagles primarily from for hunting we're from a we just hunt a lot in my family. And so when I finished uh, college, I kind of got the, the bug to get, a, to get a gun dog of my own. And I hadn't grown up bird hunting or duck hunting. And I really wanted to get into those spaces. Uh, and um, my partner, Marissa, really wanted a spaniel. She grew up with a spaniel. I had no idea what, really what that was at the time. I was just looked into it, saw they could hunt. And so we pulled the trigger, got a spaniel and uh, we got really lucky. He loves, he loves hunting. He loves waterfowl, upland, small game, all of the above. So I've got a soon to be four-year-old English Springer Spaniel and the 10-year-old wiener dog. And yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll have more. I don't ever want to get to the number either of you have. That's, <laughs> that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. Um, well, but one more, one more would be pretty cool. Yeah. You like the flushing breeds? Or do you think oh, you would I ever go it. to the, yeah. the pointer? Uh, I've seen, I've got friends with some pretty high level pointed dogs and I, I've got uh, friends that I help train their pointing dogs and it's fun. It's cool to see the change of pace, but um, for what I hunt and how I hunt in Wisconsin, I feel like a flushing dog is just more fun. Like you're, you're in on the action. You're, you're part of the chess match. Um, you're not just like walking, staring at your GPS and like, oh, the dog's over there, right? It's it's all happening right there in front of you and you're you're part of it. And um, yeah. yeah, I like I really, that. I really enjoy it. What I wanted to talk about today, what we're doing here is uh, we're calling it Upland Ready. And whether that's because Upland Fit maybe was a little gimmicky um, or or I don't know, ready, getting ready for upland season, but, but we're just going to make it plain, simple and easy. And I couldn't find anywhere else on the internet where there's anything like this and, or that's being used as upland ready. So that's what we're going with. And kind of what gave me the thought, I do a lot of, I'm going to, I'm going to call it conditioning. I do a lot of conditioning with my dogs. I run them off the four wheeler. I run them off my bike I know that I don't do a lot of the strength training stuff and I know better and I should be doing it, but I don't do it. And I'm also, as you can tell, as I mentioned that I am on a four wheeler or I am on a bike. So it's not so much of exercising myself. And, um, when I was chucker hunting last year, I went a couple of times and each time as I'm climbing the hill, I'm going, uh, this isn't fun. I'm not, I'm not having fun right now. I mean, when I got into birds, I started having fun, but I'm like next year, I'm going to be, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be climbing these hills and I'm not going to be going. I would rather die right now than continue up this hill. I, I want to feel fit. I want to feel prepared. So it's been a long time in the process of coming up with something like this, where you can incorporate 
not only feeling fit myself, but also having my dogs ready and kind of knowing what you both are about of combining that idea of, well, why don't we just get conditioned with our dogs? And you two have been able to help put a program together where we can make this super fun, super cool. Although it's a 12 week program that we came up with. So we're super short on time. Um, and, and that's something I think that we're all guilty of in reality of, uh, yeah, shoot, Upland season is only 13 weeks away as of right now um, for, for a lot of us that start on September 1st. And I'm going, oh man, I don't think like I'm going to be ready to climb the Chucker Hills. So this is going to be a super fun solution that hopefully <laughs> is going to have me climbing hills going I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep pushing through and I don't necessarily want to die right now. <laughs> so thank you guys for jumping on board and wanting to do this. Let's talk a little bit about this program. Like I mentioned, it's a 12 week program. There is a difference with, you know, different levels of, or types of hunting throughout the United States. So in the West, we have the chucker hunting, the hills, we have the dusky grouse, again, more hills. In the Midwest and down South, it's a little bit more flat for pheasant, quail, rough grouse, um, prairie chickens. So different levels of, mm, would you say, I don't know, challenge. And um, you guys are coming up with a program to help us and our dogs with all of the above. One of the best ways to proof dog training is to frequently train in new areas. I use Onyx as much in the off-season scouting for new water and grounds to train on as I do during season scouting for hunting spots. If you're training for the NAVDA Invitational, you'll want to get your dog on as many different bodies of water that you can that provide a 100-yard crossing. Save time by skipping the drive and going around with a range finder. When you find water while e-scouting, drop a point at each bank, then go into the Onyx Map Tools menu and tap the line distance button to draw a line and measure the distance between two points. And voila! Learn more about the number one hunting GPS app at onxmaps.com and use promo code BDB20, as in bird dog babe 20, for 20% off. Let's talk a little bit about the, the human conditioning part of it. <laughs> This is, this is going to be an exercise program like we haven't had before. Our shotguns are going to be involved, um, wearing our hunting vests loaded with filled water bottles, shotgun shells. Um, Bill, Bill, what do you have in store for us a little bit about the human conditioning portion of it? And you nailed it with the, the fun piece when it comes to hunting, right? Like we, we go to these far off wild places and if anyone's hunted grouse in Wisconsin, we all know it's the best bird spots are on the far side of that bog or the far side of that swamp where you're it's, it's flat terrain. But if you've ever walked through these areas where the, the mud and the water is just below your knee boot, or you're in, you're in thigh, thigh rubber boots walking through these areas, like it's not, it's, it's anything but easy. There might not be a. Well, you had it right. You're in thigh high water with knee high boots. That's, that's, that's that's actually the way, the way it goes. Um, some of those walks are far more miserable than anything I, I did when I was out in Montana this last fall. Like, is there, is there elevation change in sagebrush country? And like at the, at the, 
right at the right where the mountains start opening up yeah like we hit some pretty gnarly climbs on our mule deer hunt and for birds but when you're when you're walking through the marsh or you're in chest waders and you're you know up to your knee in mud and then the rest is water up to your hips you're you're still pushing your body to the limits and if you're not if you're not rep, trying to replicate that with um be it fitness equipment or some kind of body weight training or some kind of interval training in the off season um it's it's not as much fun a uh, B, it can be potentially dangerous. At the clinic, we see a huge influx of injuries when it comes to hunting season. You know, you've got people falling out of tree stands, which a lot of that could come back to leg strength, core strength, coordination, stability, um, increase in cardiovascular injury. So death, heart attack, stroke because of this sudden exertional stress you're putting on your body after, you know, six months of not doing anything in the off season, if, if not longer for some people. Um, so really this programs like this are it's it's for safety for you and your family uh something my friends and i joke about when we do these far back public land hunts is you know what not even talking about if we harvest or kill anything but hey if i got hurt could you bring me back would you would you be able to haul me out of here would you be able right like what is that what does that look like or if your dog goes goes down i've um there was a one summer Django had like the worst luck with glass. Cause apparently we just have a bunch of deviant youth in this, in this state breaking glass bottles in public parks. And we'd be, we'd be off hiking. I'd have a ruck pack on. And next thing I know his, his paws sliced open, he's wiggling his butt, wondering why there's blood everywhere. And then I've got to throw him on my back and hike him and my pack out of the woods. I mean, he's not huge, but he's 50, he's a 50 pound meatball how many, you know, how many of us can throw 50 pound dog on our back, still have our shotgun, all this stuff, and then be able to get them, get them back to the truck safely for yourself and your dog. Um, that's where the fitness fitness for me always comes back is, um, how important, how useful can I be to the people I'm hunting with? And also more important than most of my friends is the dog, right? Like we, we love our dogs. Um, so being, being fit and ready to help them if need be is a huge part of why I, uh, train in the off season and why I, um, want other people to be fit and healthy going into season. Mm -hmm. And I do know a guy, uh, last year, his dog got, um, caught up in a trap on public land and he did have to put his, I think it was a wire hair pointing Griffon. I think he had to put it in his vest. He put it in the back of his vest and he, you know, he carried it out that way. So that's, that is very much reality of having the potential of having to take 50 plus pounds packing it out. Yep. And we're going to, we're going to do that by incorporating two strength days a week. Uh, they're going to be full body, but one will have an emphasis on upper body. One will have an emphasis on lower body. And then a uh, third training session per week of intervals and this is, this is where, um, you, you, the hunter kind of, you're picking what it is you're training for. So, uh, if you're in chucker country or you plan on going to chucker country, you're going to want to do your intervals somewhere steep, somewhere, um, extra miserable, right. Um, or if you're, if you want it to be a faster day, maybe you go to, you just go to the local track and you do some running if that's, if that's your jam, or if you'd rather do stairs, do hike regular hiking with a pack you choose the conditions knowing what you're planning to hunt this fall uh, and then the the distances and the pace and the tempo 
are programmed into the workout so you know what you're looking for because uh, a big a big part of it is planning for those different levels right we're not always exerting ourselves at the same level on these uh outdoor adventures so we want to in our training we want to replicate what it's like to really spike your heart rate work on bringing it back down work on going a little faster a little slower medium pace slower pace recovery pace what does that look like how can you recover from exerting yourself and still keep moving um because your dog a lot of the times isn't going to wait for you right so <laughs> um or they will but they'll they'll whine about it the whole time so making sure we're, we're pushing our bodies at different tempos, just like we would out in the field. I can relate with the unexpected, you know, um, pain in hips or upper back, just from carrying that extra weight in the season that I don't carry in the off season. So yeah, I'm looking forward to training and being able to avoid that unexpected weight. Yeah. And a lot of that, that'll be, uh, I address a lot of that in the programming. So there's the body weight lifts, the equipment lifts, the fitness equipment lifts, but we're also going to do a lot of isometric holds. So making sure our joints everywhere from our feet up into our shoulders are prepped for not only some of the long duration, right? Carrying a gun, carrying a pack, um, but the, the rotational forces that puts on your body as well. So we're going to be utilizing a lot of non-traditional movements uh, to ready ourselves for the season. Awesome. Christina, what do we have? What do you have in store for us for the dog conditioning portion of it? So the biggest thing that I see consistently in the clinic and with clients in terms of dogs getting in shape for hunting season is people telling me that, oh, that's what the first couple of weeks of the season are for. Um, the biggest way to end up with an injury in the first couple of weeks of the season is going into it out of shape. So not letting the dogs start out overweight, under muscled, no cardiovascular condition, those sorts of things. A quick example I can actually use is unfortunately the pandemic when people started staying at home. I actually have a picture saved on my phone of pretty much every large kennel I have at the clinic. So it would fit a big dog lined up with large dogs that were all non-weight bearing on the same rear leg because everybody stayed home and decided they were going to go throw the ball and play with their dog and go for walks. And these dogs hadn't seen any activity in months and months, if not years. And everyone ruptured a cruciate almost instantly um, at the start of the pandemic because they were being overactive. Other things that we need to incorporate in is not like you had mentioned, uh, just running with the four wheeler. So it pains me when I see a bunch of dogs out on poles attached to the four wheeler and that's all they're doing is trotting or even running next to the four wheeler. There's more to it than just field runs, adding in things like strength training, adding in core training for dogs. People don't believe that dogs can do core workouts, but we can teach you how to get your dog doing crunches, how to get your dog to have a better top line and use their body better so that things are functioning better in the field. Um, Bill does a lot of, I guess the best word would be agility training with people in terms of those quick reflexes and whatnot. And if we can incorporate that, those proprioceptive type exercises with the dogs, you're now not tripping or slipping off that log or over that stump. They are aware of where all four of their feet are and they have better control over their body. So kind of learning things along those lines. And then 
tips and tricks. Um, I know you had mentioned about hot weather training, how to incorporate swimming. There's kind of some magic numbers in the way to do swimming that you can swim for just a little bit and get the equivalent of 30 minutes of road work. Um, doing things like if you are doing road work, adjusting the gait of your dog, knowing what your dog's speeds and paces are. You have that great Brocco trot video, um, which I could watch all day because even coming from horses, the the trot being the balance to beat gait is what's going to build us up muscle. If you're letting your dogs run next to the four wheeler or lope on a line next to the four wheeler, they are not using their bodies equally left side and right side, and they are always going to use their stronger side. So forcing them to use a balanced gait. And then this weird little thing that I came up with last year of having a discussion about how and where we are using e-collars and GPS collars. And I'm not talking at all about from a training perspective. I'm literally talking muscle, orthopedically, chiropractically, that is a weight. And incidentally, we always put them on the same way. And that is a weight no different than we're carrying, you know, we carry our transmitter on the right and our shells on the left. So therefore our shells side is always heavier in our vest. You're going to off weight your dog if their collar is always on one side. Extra um, related to e-collars is going to be the actual stimulation and the muscle fasciculations it causes and how that can actually change their gait in the moment. And um, I've thought a lot about over the years how that can actually lead to things that we see a lot in upland dogs like shoulder injuries. So we can dig into why and how to avoid that with the way that you collar your dog um, from a from a conditioning perspective, because that's not just training. It affects the way their body is working. Whoa. <laughs> I'm stoked. Are you guys stoked? Like, I'm stoked. <laughs> super fun. And we had a little discussion earlier today on some of the, like the dog exercises. And I was like, yeah, my, for like the first season I was out with my Brocco, one of my Broncos, he wouldn't go under or through a barbed wire fence unless I held it up really high for him. And then he's like, okay, I'm safe now. Um, but there is going to be like it's, it's a legit exercise that's really good for dogs is crawling because they're using different types of muscles. And like, you guys are going to help us teach our dogs how to literally crawl and you're going to have them do crawling drills. And so I, <laughs> I just think this is going to be super cool and just realistic to what we are going to actually be doing and encountering this season and um, things that you don't think of beforehand. Gosh, it gives me goosebumps. I'm really excited mm -hmm. about this. <laughs> uh, and I don't want you guys to give too much away. I probably shouldn't have even shared that part, but there, there's a lot of different um, things that you, that you guys are both working together on of combining the human and the dog aspect and equipment. Can we talk a little bit about what, what type of equipment is going to be necessary to go through this program? Bill, you want to start with the human equipment that we should have? And we'll be putting links in uh, for this stuff as well if, if people don't know where to look for it, because I know there was one item that I wasn't sure where. So, Bill, do you want to touch on that? Sure thing. Uh, yeah, the list is going to be the 
the more specific fitness equipment that people might not have, or maybe that you already have laying around, uh, the, it's going to be the, the really minimal biggest bang for your buck, most effective minimal dose for exercise that I think is going to take up the least amount of space in people's houses. Uh, we can take indoors or outdoors, uh, dumbbells or kettlebells, uh, a ba- band storm up the shoulders, band, band storm up the hips, uh, an exercise bench and or a three in one wooden box. And I, I give uh, alternate suggestions for that as well. And then, uh, yeah, I can't wait to <laughs> bust out uh, cases of shells. We're definitely going to be using those for some shoulder exercises, some core work. Time to buy those Boss Shot shells. You'll be ahead of all the others that wait until a week before season to buy ammo, and we'll be using them in our workouts. I can't wait to fill up those money bags and use them as a replacement for dumbbells. Oh, and I bet I could dub them as kettlebell use as well. Cinched real tight, of course. I'm putting in my ammo order this week, and I'm anxious to try out the 3-5 combo for ducks and pheasant. Head over to BossShotShells.com made in the USA and shipped directly to your door. And if you're committed to using and promoting lead-free ammunition and tackle this season, check out sportingleadfree.org and sign up to become a free member to join the mission. We'll, we'll talk to our, the shooting, our shooting expert, see what, he, see what he thinks about lunges and shooting at, say, the sporting, the sporting clays range. I do. I've coached for something called uh, train to hunt. If people have heard of that, and it's uh, endurance fitness mixed with archery. So I've definitely incorporated stuff like that at the sporting clays range. Going there weird hours, so no one else is around to watch you be weird and do sprints and lunges <laughs> up and down, and then go grab a gun that's uh, being safely stored on the rack, not moving with a loaded shotgun in a weird way. Um, but Hey, if it's, if you're on your, your property, uh, you're being safe about, there's no reason you can't do something like that too. That's, that's what the tactical games is. Uh, but we're just going to bring that kind of approach to the upland space. So being able to get your heart rate up and then, uh, work on mounting, work on transitions, work on breathing. It's all a big part of successfully and ethically, uh, killing the game we're pursuing. So yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited to put it all together. Awesome. Christina, what about dog equipment? What are we going to need for our dogs? Equipment on my end is pretty simple from the canine perspective. There's a lot of crossover things that are important to me. Traction, so rubber matting, yoga mats, things that Bill's going to be using as well. Um, The outdoors in general, not your slippery kitchen floor. So that's pretty straightforward. And then we do a lot of things that will destabilize the dog to then increase the stabilizer muscle strength. So balance discs, BOSUs, but pillows can work. Air mattresses can work. Egg carton mattresses. The more creative you are, the better. Um, If we have specific injuries or weaknesses found on exams that are one-sided versus the other, we do actually have a company that we work with for um, canine ankle weights. It's very like 1985 doing your leg lifts, but there are these tiny little versions where we can target certain um, quadrants of the dog to help strengthen 
So um, that is one thing. And then we will work in weights. There's a few different options that we use for weighted vests that each have their pluses and minuses that we get into, but there's different ways that you can do that as well. Um, learning the percentages of body weight that's appropriate for your dog. For example, I can take my fit enough to be a VC dog out for a three or four mile leash walk. And if he's wearing a weighted vest, he will sleep just as hard that night as if he's, you know, been out in the field all day. And it's actually pretty amazing how much it will gas them just adding a small percentage of weight. Um, one thing to be aware of too, for listeners, if there is any weight involved, we are in complete control of the dog when the weight is applied. I'm not a big fan of them uh, free running with weights on because of potential for compensation and not using their bodies correctly. So very basic with equipment, uh, especially in the summertime, everybody can find ponds and streams and things for water. I mean, I have a pool. You don't all need a pool to swim your dog. So we've used plenty of lakes and boat landings and all kinds of different things. So creativity is really the biggest piece of equipment you need to get your dog fit. This program is definitely going to be a creative program in general. So um, I feel like we should give the disclaimer of that I always um, hear and see starting a fitness program is consult with your physician before you start any fitness program. Would you agree with that, Bill? That's in the first video they get. So spoiler alert, everyone. <laughs> You've got any pre-existing conditions, any history of exercise or heat-induced uh, fainting, um, anything blood pressure or cardiac related or pulmonary, so lung related. If you've got anything like that, um, you need to seek your physician's uh, consult consultation before you start this. Perfect. What about um, for our dogs, Christina? Do we need to seek a veterinary advice before we do this with our dogs? I would say as long as you have your, you know, annual-ish wellness exam in the last few months, if it's been a while since you've been in, especially if you're dog is getting older and this isn't going to be their first season that they're getting into cardiac screens, making sure that we don't have anything like heart murmurs, cardiomyopathy. That was a big dietary related thing lately. So making sure that we don't have those sorts of problems, um, getting a baseline weight and depending on your veterinarian, or you can even do it yourself, getting some baseline measurements with, um, certain muscle groups. And we can go over that in some of the videos in the coursework about how to get a good idea of what your dog's strength really is at ground zero. So we know if, if we're improving and the coursework is definitely long enough to see those improvements because it takes about eight weeks to actually put on muscle where you're going to see a measurable difference. So making sure on the flip side of that, where we live tick diseases, we screen annually you don't want to be behind the eight ball and be like, why doesn't this work? Why doesn't this work? Why doesn't this work? And find out that your dog's actually had low grade Lyme disease for the last eight months or something like that. So it doesn't take much, but a few drops of blood to make sure that we don't have anything like that underlying. So starting with a clean slate is going to be your best bet for sure. And I know you both are big proponents for keeping you know, conditioned and healthy year round, both people and dogs. When you drive around and you see the 
the Labrador that's sitting outside in a kennel with a doghouse year round until it's hunting season and it's pulled out. I mean, is there, um, for those that just bring out the dogs for hunting season only when they're kind of in a stalemate condition, can we talk a little bit about some common injuries that we can try to avoid and why it's important to, to start doing this at least 12 weeks out before season starts rather than pulling them out and hoping that they're going to be the upland bird dog hero for the season. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Everybody can talk until they're blue in the face about cruciate ruptures in dogs. But, um, the biggest thing that I can add to that story is that cruciate ruptures didn't happen on day one of opening day of hunting season. That's been going on. Um, whether it's, subtle, whether it's partial or whether something we can bring to the table from a a neurologic and a chiropractic perspective is a little cluster of nerves called the lumbosacral plexus sitting right up there on the pelvis. And I don't know anything about people, but I'm willing to bet Bill will tell me that I have one too. And that is going to be where all of the innervation to the hind limbs is coming from. So something as Um, simple as a sore lower back muscle can actually be leading to a cruciate rupture. So now that's brought us back to core strength where everybody wants to go out and say, ah, my dog ruptured their cruciate. This just happened. No, it didn't. You actually missed a sore back muscle six, eight, 10 months ago. You missed some restrictions in their spine. Their pelvis wasn't working right. Things were not being fed down into the muscles that were supporting the stifle properly. And so the stifle gave out. Um, short of a truly traumatic injury, being hit by a car, falling off a cliff, those sorts of things that we can see in hunting sides. Um, many of those injuries that we see early in the season in an out of shape dog are not acute. They have been cooking. The other thing that we see all the time is shoulder injuries. And I could go into the depths of the different types of shoulder injuries, but the best quick and relatable way on the human side is rotator cuff injuries. And it's all the same tendons. It's all the same muscles. And we see that a ton, especially in our upland hunting dogs, which can dive a little bit deeper too into shoulder assembly and how they are put together. Um, Shoulder injuries, from my perspective, that is something that ties into what I was talking about earlier with how we put e-collars on dogs because of which muscles those e-collars are stimulating. Um, for the most part, you're not going to see your upland hunting dog, you know, be out there, like breathe a chubby dachshund and slip a disc or something like that. You're talking more distal limbs and major muscle, major muscle groups and major joint areas that are going to get hurt when they are not in shape. So there is a ton of things from a maintenance perspective and like Bill talked about and his videos, you know, showing warm-ups, cool-downs. We do all that from the canine perspective. Um, my VC dog, after putting on 10-plus miles on a hunting day, if he's crated and comes out two hours later, he will walk like he has been shot in all four limbs. Um, the amount of drama in the stiffness that he will show, and for him, it is 100% fascial inflammation. So we talk about myofascial work, massage techniques, different things you can do. 
What that spoiled dog wants is his 40-minute rub down on the night after hunting. It pairs well with a glass of whiskey. And after he gets his massage, he jumps up and walks just fine. So those sorts of things where, you know, we don't have to let it go. If I let that happen and I don't address that fascial inflammation just from lactic acid buildup and from muscle use, um, that turns into an injury by week three, week four of the hunting season. So we have our routines and we're kind of here to help you figure out your own dog and build a routine that gets them through their season in a healthy manner. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also calming to, to give the dog a good massage at the end of the, you know, a hard day's work as well. Anyhow, whiskey, mm-hmm. whiskey in hand or not, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's calming for me as well to do that for them because for sure. man, those guys are out there busting their hearts out for us. Happy to oblige and give that back. For sure. What, a, what about diets? Am I going to have to give up this glass of wine that I'm having tonight <laughs> next week or not? <laughs> no, the, the alcohol thing, that's, that's totally up to you. The individual, it does um, there is a point of diminishing returns, right? Like it, it is, it can be a good relaxant, but it's also going to decrease your quality of sleep, decrease um, digestive enzymes, hormones, right? It suppresses all of that. So just being aware of that and drink, drinking responsibly, responsibly. Uh, the biggest, biggest thing I talk about with diet in the first video is um, find what works for you. You're going to have to tweak it kind of like what Christina is talking about with Knowing your dog and what kind of uh, protocol to follow for recovery, really, that's that's what it all take what it takes for all of us with diet too. Um, biggest thing I'm I'm for is local, seasonal, regional foods, whatever is available to you and fits within your lifestyle and your budget. Um, I've seen way too many hunting, fitness books or influencers pushing the boneless, skinless chicken breast with broccoli and all the bro diet culture and I, or protein, protein supplements, powders, powders, gimmicks, all that stuff. Like the, the whole point of what we're doing is because we love the outdoors and you're pushing single use plastics on everyone and more micro trash and, um, or farming practices that rob the earth of forests, clean water and clean air. So um, I'm more so on, get to know your local farmers. If you have a uh, tag soup year, um, buy your produce, whatever's local and seasonal. Um, that's, that's, that's really all I push on diet and then get your sleep, drink your water. Um, yeah, that kind of stuff. What's the amount of water? There's like a, there's like a code for this, right? Like if you're so it's so much pounds and you're supposed to drink so much water, what, or what do you recommend? There's, there's a, there's a formula for just about everything because <laughs> Uh, the human fizz nerds, I will say this cause I know them. I love them at the university. They're nerds and they like having formulas for everything. Yeah. Uh, drink water when you're thirsty. Uh, if you're active and you're outdoors and you're hot and sweaty salt and electrolytes are your best friend. They've been demonized because sodium can increase your blood pressure, but so can a lot of other things. And you need sodium in your body for just general function. And I think a lot of people that are experiencing cramps, or headaches, or brain fog, a lot of that could be attributed to, and I'm not, this is not me as a doctor, but people who are sweaty and working out, like I see it every day as an athletic trainer, electrolyte deficiency is huge uh, in these spaces. So being aware of that, 
and I talk about a little bit of this in the video is finding an electrolyte uh, replacement that works for you. Um, and it could be just as easily as, you know, adding more fruit, um, adding salt to your, I, I salt my coffee. So I salt my coffee in the morning, A, because then you don't have to pee when you're hunting. There's nothing worse than being in chest waders, drinking hot coffee before the sun comes up. And then the next thing you know, it's five minutes before shooting light and you have to pee really bad. Uh, but salting coffee, the sodium balances out the diuretic effect of caffeine and you're absorb. So you get the caffeine and you're absorbing, absorbing water from the coffee. Um, so your, your, your nerd magic number for water that people will push on you is just some number. If you're peeing all day, and your pee is clear, you're drinking way too much water. Like you're just flushing everything out of your body. Um, yeah. So it's going to be dependent, right? It's going to, it's going to depend on the person, your activity level, what you're doing that day. Um, if you've huh. got kidney stones or super dark urine, yeah, you should probably, you know, calm down on the soda or whatever you're drinking and drink some water. But um, yeah, it depends. It depends greatly. So it is possible to drink too much water then? Oh, definitely. Where it's not uh, gonna... We just uh, we just ran through an emergency action plan at my facility for just that occurrence because uh, the person in question had been exercising a lot, super super hot, super humid that week. A lot of exercise, a lot of sweating, not enough electrolyte intake. Um, so you get what's called hypo hyponatremia. So your electrolyte levels in your blood tank because you have all of this water. And it can create brain swelling, brain fog. People get super combative. Um, yeah, you can totally drink too much water. Christina, what about canine diet? So I feed and recommend Purina Pro Plan 3020. And people always say in the off season where they're not working so much, should I switch their diet? Should I switch the formula? And I always say no, because you, know, you can just feed less of it. It's good for them to have that formula to keep lean muscle mass. Purina Pro Plan Sport Performance 3020 formula contains 30% protein and 20% fat to help optimize the dog's VO2 max, which is the rate of oxygen used for increased endurance. This energy-dense formula helps fuel a dog's metabolic needs and maintain lean muscle. It also contains omega-3 fatty acid and glucosamine to help support joint health and mobility. Dogs that regularly consume higher protein and fat food will metabolically prime their muscles and metabolism, which allows them to better adapt to exercise and have improved endurance. Athletic dogs require more protein than sedentary dogs because their muscles undergo a natural process of building and breaking down muscle proteins. Visit Purina.com to learn more about the Purina Pro Plan sport formulas for canine athletes. So the diet talk could go on for days, of course. Um, 3020 is going to be kind of the basis where a lot of our upland hunters are at. We do have some dogs, and I'm sure you've probably crossed it, where you start getting into quantity issues of food to maintain that dog in a healthy condition where they're not dropping spinal muscles. I'm looking more at like the width across the traps in the back than necessarily the number of ribs showing. Um, I know a lot of like the field trial folks will argue all day long, but I think some of those dogs could use an extra calorie or two. Um, some of them, then we start running on like sled dog levels of fat percentages and diets. When you start getting up to higher fat percentages in some of those foods, now we have to talk about how and with what to supplement antioxidants, 
to kind of balance that out. Because if you're having that kibble form of high fat, you can get a lot of free radicals in the body. So we kind of want to scavenge that. Um, coming from the pro plan side of it, there's two things that I would die happy if I could see Purina do. If they would have an option that is a higher fat option than just the 30-20. And if they would make a darn tub of Fortiflora with a scoop instead of all the packets as Bill's over there talking about trash, the number <laughs> of Fortiflora packets that we go through. Well, we um, have tablets now. You've seen the tablets, right? Yes. We, we keep the tablets in the car okay. to minimize the garbage in the first aid kit and whatnot. Yeah. But I, I just, I mean, you said yourself 10 dogs, right? Like that's still 10 bottles of tablets. I just want a bucket, a bucket of powder. Um, that would make me very happy, but we do talk about a lot of different, um, options for probiotics. Um, I'm a real big fan of their calming care product, both in the clinic for pet dog situations and also hunting dog situations, um, different dietary things, different joint supplements, doses of fish oil, because fish oil is not created equally in the amount of DHA that you're looking for. Um, bioavailability and in the entire concept of extruded diets that we feed to our dogs and then we want them to extract nutrients from it, um, glycogen restoration, recovery diets, when to feed and how for best GI transit time and avoiding that upland hunting diarrhea that we're seeing by, you know, hour four of being out there and how to help those things. So it's not cut and dry. Um, I cannot say feed this food in this supplement and your dog will do great. We can say there's, you know, a million different things and teach you through the coursework how to find what works right for your dog. And some of it takes a little trial and error. Um, we've tried some different foods over the last few months with uh, cost changes and availability changes and maybe some protein sensitivities, those sorts of things. And we have different levels of food as Bill learned with Django and Brie or not Django. It was the terrier, but um, you can't necessarily feed the same food and you yourself have older dogs, younger dogs, dogs in growth, dogs in gestation, lactation, those sorts of things where um, you either need to have one dog or two dogs that are the same age and the same breed and the same genetic capacity. If you want to only have one food or you need to be aware that if you have a dog that's 10 years old and you have a dog that's two years old, they may very well not be eating the same diet. And that might mean that you need two food bins and that's fine. So kind of breaking down um, the ways to figure out what works best for you. So it's, it's definitely not going to be in episode three. You learn which magic supplements going to get you the most birds in the season, but it's going to be learning how to find what's right for you and your dog. You mentioned recovery. So I think we can get into that more in the actual program on, on maybe what kind of supplements and, and recovery and, and bill as well, because I know after a long day's hunt, I do give a recovery supplement and, and even one for extra hydration to my dogs beforehand. And, um, I'm interested to see, um, bill, what you have for recommendations as far as the electrolytes, like you mentioned earlier as well. Let's talk a little bit more about the program. We are starting it on June 5th. So it's a Sunday, June 5th, um, week one drops. So each week it's going to drop 
that next week's schedule. So something different each week. And um, that, so 12 weeks will take us to the last week of it ending on August 28th. Um, we are going to leave it open knowing that some states have hunting um, season starting a little bit later. So we are going to be leaving it open until November 1st, but um, when, when it's done, it's done. Let's see. What am I, what else am I missing here? Um, the price. Who wants to know about the price? That's probably a pretty important part. Um, like I said, we, this is kind of, this is our first year doing it. We want to see how it goes and test the waters and get a ton of feedback from people. Um, so it's going to be $99, which to me sounds crazy, super cheap. And um, like Christina and Bill are putting a, a ton of work into this, but we want to uh, kind of test the waters with it. Um, if you sign up after June 5th, it's going to be $149. Um, next year, it's likely going to be more, but um, we're, we're excited to see how this goes this year. So um, sign up before June 5th for $99 to register. So it's going to be uh, through the platform that I already have at the Bird Dog E Academy. So it's going to be on that website. I will be putting stuff in the show notes um, so yet you'll be able to find it easily. And we are also going to have, this is kind of a fun, fun thing I'm extra excited about. We're going to have a private Facebook uh, group page that correlates with this. So um, like they both kind of mentioned earlier, there's a lot of fun, super unique ways that we're going to get in shape with our dogs in this. And I think the more we can help motivate and follow each other, share our photos, share our videos of our journey of being upland ready. Um, you guys can share your ideas on maybe what you would like to see added to the program for next year. And that will all be uh, in the show notes for this episode as well. I just need to give a shout out to Django's breeder, Jen, uh, without her, fine work on this uh, meathead right here uh would never have met you and <laughs> um, she's she's a huge fan of yours she's uh she's done the reliable retrieve right is that the name of the program oh awesome yeah our yeah, retrieve course yeah yep she's done that with two of her springers and she's uh she raved about it and that's awesome. kind of how i uh started following you and big fan of your content and your little cocker cool <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to Jen. She's a big fan of yours and, um, awesome. thankful for the opportunity. It's going to be a fun, uh, fun summer. Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's awesome to know about Jen. Thanks, Jen. I'm glad you like the reliable retrieve course. So yeah, and maybe she'll even hop in on this because it's going to be very similar format to that and uh, having the a Facebook group, you guys are going to even field questions and you're going to provide suggestions for people that are doing the exercises to say, Hey, maybe, you know, try it this way or keep your back a little straighter or Hey, Courtney probably shouldn't do the glass of wine tonight. That probably should skip that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what made me be a huge fan of this program is that Bill promised me there will be no burpees. He promised me that that's, that's a promise. I, yeah. I, I stand by that. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm signing up. I'm in no burpees. This, these are my kind of people right here. Can you guys each tell listeners how they can, you know, cause after we do this, they're going to start researching. Oh man, who's this guy that's going to be 
training me and who's this girl it's gonna be setting up a program for my dog so can you guys each tell a little bit about where they can find you um you both have great content that i love to personally follow so where can they find you on social media my clinic page is probably more boring than my uh, personal canine athlete page but the name of our vet clinic in central wisconsin is town and country veterinary clinic um, my kennel is four winds duck dogs and we run that Facebook page under the name, the canine athlete. So a lot of what is on there is our training and fitness. And then my, we do a lot of board and, uh, not board and train, but board and rehab train injured dogs from various sports that will end up coming to stay with us for a while. Um, to get them through their rehabilitation and treatment programs. And so we do a lot of play by plays with those guys and watching improvements and fun things along those lines. So that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. And then obviously I'll be on that uh, Facebook group page that you made as well. If anyone listening to this has like awesome video skills and content skills, you need to go like intern with Christina and learn a whole bunch of stuff. Um, She's, she's just amazing. She, when I first met her and started going down there, like some book recommendations that just like lit fires for integrating strength and conditioning for people and dogs. So um, yeah, I, I send her questions and annoy her about all kinds of stuff. Um, (laughs) And it's, it's, but I love it. I love the creativity that dog exercise inspires not just um not just like hey i'm gonna sprint my dog or run my dog but like how do we how do we engage and um further create this bond in this communication i know it's it's especially important for flushing dogs because of just the nature of that relationship obviously but uh no i christina has amazing content she's too busy to share it with everyone so um or all of it i should say because it's it's pretty amazing what you've got going on down there, Dr. Mott. So, um, no, I'm just mad respect and super excited to be here. Is that Jake jumping around in the background? No, that's Maddie. (laughs) Jake's asleep. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. She can't Uh, walk across the room and drop her phone. You didn't teach her that skill yet. (laughs) (laughs) We'll work on juggling. I'll throw that in. I've, I've done juggling, uh, programs for people, so we can do that. Throw that in there. Uh, Oh, my, my social media, the yeah. Bill Kepke, the B-I-L-K-O-E-P-K-E. And then uh, I've got more fitness specific content over at Team Early AF. So there's some podcast episodes there focusing on health, fitness, uh, motivational psychology and outdoor stuff. If you're interested in that. Super cool. I forgot the magic promo code. I forgot when I that earlier. Remember when I was like, I need to come up with the promo code because <laughs> Because if you go to the program, it's $149 right now. So to get the $99 um, price for this, which you guys, it's super cheap. It's three months for $99. Um, you, I can guarantee you a program monthly is going to probably be around, what, 200 to 300 bucks a month, typically. So um, super cheap, super awesome. And okay, so here, the promo code. <laughs> Use promo code early bird. Early bird. E A R L Y B I R D. Early bird. Um, 
Yeah. So that'll, that'll give you the $99 price. I'm stoked. Are you guys stoked? Yeah, it's going to be fun. Super stoked. My goats in the background are also super stoked. They're all raving. (laughs) They're all raving fans right now. Can't wait. (laughs) They're like, just don't allow the dogs to chase me as one of your pieces of the program. That would be super (laughs) ideal. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much. I can't wait to get this started on June 5th. I will see you there. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bird Dog Babe podcast. If you're a Patreon member, you have access to the full-length, unedited, ad-free, live video recording of this episode at patreon.com forward slash thebirddogbabe. Be sure to check out the sponsors of this podcast, Purina Proplan, Boss Shot Shells, Onyx Hunt, and our partners, Siren Shotguns and Dakota 283. And don't forget to support the conservation organizations of the birds that you chase after and the public lands in which you hunt.